0: Well, good morning. I did not earlier, I'm sorry, I did not introduce myself. If it's your first time here, my name's Nathan, and um, I know some of you, we've got a, check, 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 good, all right. We've got a, a an online um, congregation as well that's watching, so thank you for tuning in. We are we are actually um, heading into, as you all know, a time of year that uh, if you're anything like me, it's easy to get to thank from Thursday, and you start thinking about it like a week from this Wednesday kind of thing, and um, oftentimes, what happens in the middle of all that is we're just looking ahead the entire time. We just look ahead, and and here's what tends to happen. In our rush to look ahead and plan ahead, we often move backward, but uh, the whole idea behind these next few weeks is that we as a church would actually do something different, that we would actually look backward. Because it's in the process of looking backward, we begin to see what God is up to as we go forward. And, and that's, that's simple in theory, but it's difficult to practice, isn't it? Because we all have a list of things that we're doing. And so uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to look back. And we're going to remember a few different things. And today, I just I figured I'd start with maybe the most difficult one. Okay, And maybe the best way to introduce that is to tell you um, about this article I was reading the other day. I was reading something that said it was basically the top reasons people have left their jobs during the pandemic. And so I'm reading all these different accounts, and one just caught my eye. This lady was talking about she was a barista at a coffee shop. And she said every single day this lady would come in, and she would say, I'll have, I, I want a coffee that is half coffee one-fourth hot chocolate okay so you math majors in here what is the problem yeah it's not full now a barista would think okay they're leaving room right they're gonna pour something else in there and so she would ask hey um are you so you want to leave room and the lady said no i want it full she was like okay so half coffee, one-fourth hot chocolate. And she would make this drink for the lady every single time that she came in. And she uh, just, w- the final straw was when she got a complaint card from her manager. And it said, this lady does not make me a full cup of what I order every single time. And, and it had just so built up that she just said, I'm done. Can, can you hear the difficulty in there? It, it, maybe it's the order, But behind the order is a person. Behind the order is a person. And I'd be willing to bet, especially, you know, we've talked about the last 18, 19 months a lot uh, here at the church. But I would be willing to bet over the last 18 or 19 months, maybe the greatest struggle for us to be grateful for are probably people, aren't they? I mean, people are just a tough one. And that we we all have that dynamic in our lives. And some of you are pointing, and I didn't mean for you to point at people right now or anything like that. But we all probably have some faces that come to mind, don't we? See, one of the things that we want to take November to remember is people. The people that God has used in our lives. And so this morning, I'm actually going to do something that um, I, I don't even know what I'm thinking as a preacher. But I'm going to ask you to take out a uh, pen and paper. And I'm guessing that many of you don't have pen and paper, so i am I doing this? Yes, I'm doing this. Okay, I'm going to ask you to take out your phones, okay? Because we're all going to make a list. Every single one of us, I want to make a list this morning. Because many of you, you probably have this tradition that a week from Thursday, you're going to go around the table. And you're probably going to answer some form of the question, "What am I grateful? For? And what am I grateful for? And even if you don't do that around the table... I would love for every single person in here as we approach Thanksgiving to consider what we're grateful for. And here's what I want you to write at the top of that list. This actually comes from one of Paul's letters that we'll get to in just a little bit, but I want you to write the following words I thank my God every time I remember you. I thank my God every time. I remember you. I want to walk through this phrase, thank you, this morning. And I want to walk through it the way the Apostle Paul uses it. Because when the Apostle Paul uses the phrase, thank you, he doesn't generally use it in the ways that you and I would, would say thank you. I mean, sure, there are a few on there that really like, were incredible blessings to him. And then there were others that were a different kind of blessing to him. They made life just more and more difficult. And as you go through Paul's letters... And as you pay attention to the things that he says thank you for and the people he says thank you to, you realize something. That for Paul and for you and for me, while people are making life harder, Jesus is making us holy. When people make life harder, you know what that is? Jesus making us holy. And the truth is his spirit, his Holy Spirit can work in people to form us and he can work in us to form other people, because it's what he does. It's what only he can do. And so I want to, um, I want to hopefully bring some names to mind. I know you might have some, and, and that's great, but I want you to think through a few different categories, because out of these different letters that Paul wrote, nine of them, he actually uses the word thank you, and he says some form of, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. And so Romans Romans chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what he says to the Romans. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Now, he, he says an, a form of that in other letters. But if you think about the, the Roman church, what Paul was really doing is he was speaking to people who truly were getting a perspective of God first. And I don't know about you, but I don't wake up every single day thinking God first. I mean, I think, what am I going to eat? What am I going to do? What do I have scheduled today? But for 15 of 16 chapters of Romans, you know what Paul does? He says, look what God did. Look what God did. Look at the magnificent, magnificent arc of what God has done. I mean, sure, we get mentioned in there. But Paul, when he's writing to the Romans, it is just all focused on God and his work in and through Jesus Christ in our lives. You got anybody like that? And I want you to think of a name who maybe they remind you of God being God-centric, of being totally God-focused. I mean, maybe the last time you went to talk to them, you had a problem with, with a love relationship or it was homework or it was a job or something like that. And they, they like went right past all that, but they gave you this incredible perspective on God. You got one of those in your life? You think, okay, I, I don't know how that helps me get my homework done, but suddenly I've got a little bit of perspective now. That's Romans. Listen to what he says to Philemon. Philemon, who had a church in his house. In Philemon, verses 4 and 5, he says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, this kind of sounds just like out of Romans, doesn't it? But if you were to look at Philemon's story, and if you were to look at Philemon, the role he played in the church, you know what's all over Philemon's life? Hospitality. You got one of those in your life? Somebody that has just welcomed you in, and welcomed you in, and welcomed you in. And maybe the cooking wasn't that great, and maybe the company put you to sleep, but they welcomed you in, and welcomed you in. You got some of those that come to mind? See, Philemon was dealing with his own difficulties. Philemon had one of his workers ran away. And Paul wrote Philemon a letter. And he said, I thank my God as I remember you. Because even with your difficulties, you continue to welcome people in and welcome people in. You got a face like that in your life? Write that on the list. You go to Ephesians. As Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, here's what he says. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, if you know a little bit about Paul's interaction with the church at Ephesus, you know he spent probably more time with this church than many of the others. I mean, Paul was a busy guy. He was moving around, he was planting a lot of different churches. But he had he had a journey with the Ephesians, You got somebody like that? You got somebody that it's not just weeks of knowing them. It's not just months of knowing them. It's been years and years and years. And here's the thing we don't really know. We don't, we don't necessarily see it in Paul's letter. But what happens when you get a lot of time around somebody in close proximity? Yeah. Yeah, the laughs kind of say it. You get a little bit irritated, don't you? You got some of those? Oh, now some names are coming, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Who, who is that? You've just, it's been a long journey with them. I and mean, when Paul writes to the Ephesians, he begins talking about things like identity. And it makes sense because he spent so much time with them. He can say, I know exactly who you are. And you know exactly who I am. Write down a name. We come to Philippians. And we read this a little bit ago. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God. Every time I remember you. I thank my God every time I remember you. Now here's the thing about the Philippians. The Philippians had done something astonishing for Paul. They knew that Paul had some needs while he was in jail, possibly under house arrest as he wrote as he as they looked at him. So they took up an offering. They took up a collection and they sent it to him. And in the middle of like not so great circumstances, He looked around and his whole letter to the Philippians is, I just have joy. I have joy as I remember you and what you did for me. Now, if I could talk generationally for a moment here to our younger generations. Let's see, I'm 41, so let me talk to those 40 and under, okay? So, um, do you realize, do we realize that the generations who have gone before us if you're, one, if, you, if you're one of those younger generations, do we realize the way they've supported us? I mean, you may not agree with their way of doing things, but do we realize that they've supported us? That they've given gifts to this church to allow us to be here, for us to come gather? Again, you, you may not agree with how they do things, But can we be grateful for that? Can we honor them? Now, if I could jump to the other end of the spectrum, let me go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Listen to what Paul says here. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you, Timothy, in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Could I speak to our older generations for a moment? Again, I'm 41, so let me talk to those age 42 and up, okay? Do you recognize the younger ones coming along behind? Do you see them? I mean, as I said to the younger ones earlier... You may not agree with how they do things, but they are next. They're the ones coming up. Would you come alongside them? Would you look at them and, and sure, they may not do exactly what you did and the way you did it, but would you recognize that God is stirring in their hearts a desire to connect with Jesus, to connect with people, to connect people with Jesus? See, there's an intergenerational component here to what Paul's talking about. He was able to look at those who he'd, had, he'd gotten support from, whether they were older than him, literally or not. And he, he was able to recognize, thank you. He was able to say, thank you. You know, today, as we think of our veterans, actually, it was Thursday, but as we, as we just thought about our veterans a little bit ago, I don't know what your stance is on the military or on the war. But there are generations that went before us that fought for our right to be able to gather, to be able to agree with it, to be able to disagree with it. And we thank them for that. We thank them. Because really what it is, is it's a picture of us, of what our Savior did on our behalf, that he laid down his life for us. And as Paul looks at the one coming behind him, Timothy, he says, I don't have to tell him to do it exactly like I did it. I can entrust him. I can entrust him to carry the gospel to his surroundings. And so what Paul did is he looked at Timothy. He said, I'm going to pour into Timothy. I'm going to pour into him. I'm going to do all I can to let him stand on my shoulders. See, that's the kind of legacy that I would think every single one of us wants. Paul goes on. He gets to 1 Corinthians. And now we're starting to get to some difficult people. All right, listen to this. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched. You've been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Can you hear what he's saying? He's looking at the Corinthians, he's saying, you're so gifted. But maybe you've discovered this in life. Gifting does not always equate to maturity, does it? Gifting does not always equate to maturity. And so he's looking at the Corinthians, and he's saying, you've been so gifted, but you've got all kinds of division. You're dealing with all kinds of problems. You know, what did Paul say? He said, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for you guys. And we need to work on some problems. But if we can work on some problems, the potential here of what God's doing, what he's put in you and he's going to do through you, is incredible. Did you catch that? See, a lot of times, I don't know about you, I look at people that are really, 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 really gifted. And if they're not real, 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 real mature, what do we do? We get really, really, really frustrated. Now, Paul. Paul says, I thank my God for you. We go on to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. Now, here's what strikes me about this letter. Paul writes to them so personally. But it's widely believed Paul did not know them. He had to write to them from a distance. If he knew them, he hadn't spent much time with them. And even this last week, I'm reminded that one of my greatest encouragements came from a guy in Illinois who I've known all of one hour. And he reached out and he just said, thinking of you, brother, praying for you, encouraged by you. As you think about Christians maybe not in these four walls, as you think about those who maybe maybe you've read a book by them, Maybe you've heard something, uh, oh, you know, uh, a podcast, or you've watched something over the air. We'd be grateful for those who are doing the work of faith that we may never encounter, we may never come across. Paul looked at the Colossians, and he said, I'm thankful for you. And the Colossians had their own problems. They were looking around and wondering, is Jesus really the best way? And he's bringing them back to saying, he, he absolutely is the supreme way. Can we be thankful for the work that God's doing outside of here? A lot of times what happens, especially in churches, is rivalry and competition. Instead, Paul goes now. I'm grateful for that. Two more. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, he says this, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. Your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. See, what Paul knew as he looked at the Thessalonians is they were going through a terrible, terrible time. And as he watched them, he went, the fact that you are remaining steadfast, that you keep going, well, that's an encouragement to me. In fact, they were going through such a hard time that Paul longed to get to them. You know what he says in his letter? I I tried to get to you. I couldn't get to you. You got somebody like that, that maybe you've been separated from, that whether it's distance or relational tension or time or something, you just can't, you can't physically be with them. You got a face like that in mind? Write that name down. Finally, he follows up with a second letter to the Thessalonians. He says, "We we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, Because your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. Now, what's going on in the background of Paul writing this is this. They misunderstood him. They had misunderstood his first letter. They thought he was saying something totally different than what he had originally said. You have anybody like that? Some misunderstandings with somebody in your life that you know you intended one thing, and they interpreted another. Write, write down a name. Who have you got a misunderstanding with? Now, here's why I bring all this up, because of what we said at the beginning. <laughs> when people are making life harder, or when you're going through life and it's just getting harder, Jesus is using them to make you holy. See, there's this thing that happens. We all, we we trust in salvation at the cross, but a lot of times, and for much of my Christian life, I thought, oh, and then I just walk forward and I got to figure it out myself, as we've talked about recently. And God goes, no, no, no. There's this process. It's it's a big word. It's called sanctification. He says, I'm going to make you, I'm going to carry on to completion the work that I began. I'm going to make you in my likeness. I'm going to redeem that image that was in my likeness. And so you have a list before you right now that at the top, hopefully, you wrote. I thank my God every time I remember you. Look at it. You got a list there, don't you? You've got a list. Two two recommendations that you do with this list. The first one is write something. At the end of his second letter to the Thessalonians, you know what Paul said? He said, I write this in my own handwriting. You want to know one of the greatest things you could do this week with that list? Is write somebody, thank you, in your own handwriting. And if you get one of those cards, just be encouraged. You've been one of those difficult people for somebody, okay? (laughs) Yeah, nobody wants a thank you note this week, do they? No, you can know. That God has used you in the life of one of your brothers or sisters. But the second thing I want you to do is keep the list. Keep the list. You may move away from Littleton. Keep the list. You may move along elsewhere and eventually at the end of this life when your time here on earth is done, when your ministry is done, keep the list. And I know you're going, how do I do that? Because one day, here's what I imagine. I imagine, as we've all heard, you'll... End up in eternity at some point, and um, you'll be you'll be talking to likely Peter from what we've heard, right? And you'll say, "What what do you have there?" You'll go, oh, "It's it's nothing. It's just a list." But to you, it's not just a list, is it? That's not just a list. That's a list of names that God used to make you more and more holy. And he says, oh, come on, give me the list. He said, "Ah, that's just some people who helped me out. And he finally takes the list from you. You know what I think he'll say? Oh, I know those people. On my way here to the gate, they were, they were painting a banner to hang over the street for you. And it said, welcome home. That's the names on that list. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as the worship team comes up Lord I ask that as we look around our lives that we begin to see the people in our lives completely differently Lord as we remember the people that you've brought along whether it's been difficulty and and it's just been baggage and it's it's just been hard or whether it's been people who have truly encouraged and blessed us Lord we know you use it all as we look at the life of Paul, we first meet him, he's Saul. And he's, bringing out, he's breathing out murderous threats. And yet, at the end of his life, your sanctification of him is that he is full of many, many things. So, Lord, remind us. Remind us that every single person you bring into our lives is somebody you are using and that you want to use us in their lives to, as we prayed earlier, point to your glory because of the work your son did for us at the cross. Lord, write these lists on our hearts. We look forward to the day, that great day in eternity, when we will all hang that banner over the street for one another that says, welcome home. Remind us, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.